This is an ABC podcast. When I was three months pregnant with my daughter, I spent uh, 40 days out at sea. Wow. Yeah, that trip was my worst because I, I was pregnant, so I just wanted to go home. Rachel Luru's job embodies the phrase, a woman in a man's world. She spent 10 years as an at-sea fisheries observer, joining the crews of fishing vessels from all over the world. Miles from land and always the only woman on board for weeks, sometimes even months. It was a love of the ocean that led her to this unusual career. And I want to know what kept her going on those long, lonely days and nights at sea. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk to Rachel Luru, one of Papua New Guinea's few female fisheries officers. So let's get to you and the amazing work that you do. Growing up in the islands and falling in love with the sea. <laughs> now, yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I am chuckling and laughing because I am fascinated. I am also a Highlands woman and to read about your story and know that this is something that you took up for a profession, going out to sea. Uh, I am just fascinated and want to know more about your story. What is your first memory of the sea and going out into the sea? Uh, my first memory wouldn't uh, relate to my job, but I was born and raised here in the, in the West New Britain. so. I just I was just used to the sea, uh, going by the beach and just having a swim with my family and all that. That that's my first memory of um, having to have uh, the first experience with the sea. So you said you grew up in West New Britain. Uh, let's go back to where your mom and dad come from. Uh, my my mother is uh, from uh, Goroka in the Eastern Highlands, Eastern Highlands province, and my dad is from Pangia. That's in the southern highlands of uh, Papua New Guinea. <laughs> a highlands lady growing up in the islands of, of Papua New Guinea. What is it that you love about the ocean? I, I, I just, I get to see a lot of different, um, you know, fish species and learning how, you know, the tide and how the fish migrates to, you know, everywhere around the world and the, how the ocean expands to other parts of the world and other countries. And it's so big. And vast. One of those ladies that we had before uh, on the show, she's a marine biologist, and she said uh-huh. the ocean is a different world altogether. Is that something that you see as yes. well? Yes, I'd, I'd put it that way. It's it's very different from the land. <laughs> it, it, it it's a different world of its own. I have a phobia about the the ocean. I'm just so afraid of sharks. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> uh, what goes through your mind when you're in the water? The first thing that, you know, goes through my mind is that, you know, I might run out of breath and just, you know, sink in. But then again, I've gone through a lot of uh, experiences and I've, I've uh, learned how to swim and I've learned how to be safe out at sea and to how to survive out at sea. So I have a little bit of fear of that, how to survive at sea, but then I've been trained how to do it. So it doesn't, uh, I don't fear the ocean. A lot, I'd say. How did you get to choose uh, a career in fisheries? When did you realize that this is what you want to do? 
I'd be honest, it was never my dream. I wanted to be a lawyer. My dad wanted me to be a lawyer and I was aiming for that. Unfortunately, things unfolded back in school and everything just didn't go what uh, the way we expected it to be. And then this opportunity just popped up and oh, I just thought I'd, I'd give it a go because of um, my uh, you know, childhood experience back in Kimbe and how I used to be connected with the ocean and all that. So I, I thought this would be a great opportunity for me to, you know, make use of my um, myself. I joined in the, the, the fisheries, uh, the field of fisheries through the Observer program. That's how I started off. It's a competency-based training of, I think, two months. And then for the next um, 10 years that followed after, I, I continued to get on the fishing boats and um, as an observer. And after the, being an observer, I just, you know, I had decided to settle down and have a family. So I just, I'm still in the same organization, National Fisheries Authority, and um, 10 years of being an observer and uh, the last three years of being a catch documentation officer. Now, does that mean as a fisheries observer, you go out to sea? Yes. For that role, um, I actually, I, I go out to sea. I get on a fishing boat and I actually go out to sea with the, with the fishing boats and all the, yeah. So it, it takes usually a month or less out at sea. So it depends on um, the types of uh, licenses that the fishing vessels are, the area they were allowed to fish in. So regardless of uh, wherever they are licensed to fish in, that's where we go into. So I just monitor the vessel. Um, I just uh, just report and take, you know, just uh, collect uh, uh, information on the type of fish they catch and the type of fishing gears they use to catch the fish and the type of electronics they use to, you know, um, round up the school of fish. And yes, that's the measurements and the species and all that. That's the information I collect. And then I, I bring back to port whenever the fishing boat is ready to come back to unload the fish. And that's when I submit um, a report back to uh, the authority. That's amazing. And you are often the only female crew sometimes. How do you do your male colleagues work with you when you're out at sea? It's I'm the only one that's on the on the sea. We are the observers um are tasked to only one persona, one boat, one fishing vessel. So there are different types of fishing vessels. We have long liners, we have pollen line, we have um prawn troll, you know, all these other fishing vessels and only one um observer is assigned to one particular vessel per trip. So if you're a male, you get on, you'll be with the males. You're a female, you get on, you'll be with all the males. So that's just normal and usual for this trip. I mean, observer work. You mentioned something about your crew preparing for you when they know that you're coming on board. Can you tell us what they do to prepare for you? Yeah. So basically we have a we have some processes in place prior to embarking on the fishing vessels. So we have a brief meeting and then we ensure that, uh, you know, observer safety is um, paramount and it's they are aware of uh, observer's role and responsibility on board. 
which is part of the license conditions, you know, the boats and the operators, even the agents, the owners of the the vessels, they, they know when the observers come and they know their roles and responsibilities and they are already aware. It's just compulsory that we have the meeting to re reassure them again. So they know our, they already know, they prepare a cabin for us, especially females, they, where it's comfortable, we, we stay. We, we plan to feel comfortable, we don't, we request that it's, it's uncomfortable. But then we have no choice because they, they can get another observer. But once there's no observer and the only female is there, they make sure that, you know, we have a better place to sleep. There's privacy and then, you know, what we eat. Some some other vessels are very strict, depending on the nationalities. And how long have you been away at sea? Uh, my longest trip was, uh, I did two back-to-back trips, a total of, I think, about 54 to 60 days. My other longest trip was when I was three months pregnant with my daughter. I spent uh, 40 days out at sea. That was in the waters of Kiribati and uh, Guam around there. And I had to disembark in Kiribati and I had to spend another eight days there before coming back. So, yeah. That's crazy. You're so brave. Yeah, I know. I did. I that, that that trip was my worst because I I was pregnant so I just wanted to you know I just wanted to go home so but then it wasn't up on me it wasn't up to me it was I had to wait for the fishing vessel to you know the re, all the refrigerators to be filled so I spent a total of forty days out at sea so that was my last uh, international trip out. What was that like for you? Like, did you have seasickness or did you vomit? Morning sickness, what What was it like? Yes, my morning sickness, it, that was my worst trip out of all my trips ever since I joined the program. <laughs> yeah, because I was pregnant. I was still heading up to three, so. Oh, you poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> but my baby was fine. She was born healthy and no defects whatsoever she was i had a normal birth and everything was okay that's amazing and you have three beautiful kids now how how do you keep in touch with them when you are working away from home oh um now that i am not usually out at sea it's 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 okay now like you know communication is easy i can video call them but when i'm out at sea that's when i had only one so it was very complicated i couldn't talk to him i just had to wait until you know there was a problem with the vessel and we had to go take shelter near an island or where's a there's a tower where i could get signal and oh you should see how we react when we see an island because we we want to talk to our family but we all rush up to the um where the helipad is where the helicopter is to we all hanging all over the, you know, all, everything on the rail up there. But yeah, communication was very tough and difficult out at sea. Oh my goodness. I, I'm just imagining it, it must be so painful to try to reach home after a long time. Of, of course. You, 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 when you see land or when you see buildings or when you come back to land, oh. The best feeling ever after being, you know, more than three weeks, four weeks out at sea. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and as an island girl, how, how did it feel when you look out into the vast ocean, blue ocean, and no, there's no land inside? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I cry myself to sleep thinking not not why I'm there or I'm so scared that I'm out in the ocean, but, you know, family and kids and all that. And Yeah, it's, that that's the very thing that, you know, gets me crying or, you know, just stressed or distressed. But then I don't have all the time to stress because it's work. Any time of the day I'm up and, you know, I have to keep an eye on the vessel. It's like any time of the day and night I have to be awake. And it's a very risky thing as well too. And yeah, it's very tough. It's not really easy. It, it may seem easy to others, but the fishing boats is very difficult. The bigger vessels are okay. Containers and all that, the bunker ships and all that. Rachel, as a Highlands woman myself and a mom, I have so much respect for you and what you do. Seriously, like, it's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. I'm speaking to Rachel Luro, a fisheries officer from Papua New Guinea. For 10 years, she worked as an at-sea fisheries officer, a job described as the eyes and ears of fisheries science and management. They board commercial fishing vessels for weeks at a time to collect vital data about fish stocks, pollution, and the health of the ocean. Their data helps to determine the regulations that balance the needs of the fishing industry with the needs of the natural environment. It was a role she had to balance with raising a young son. Then when her daughter was born, she moved into a different role that keeps her at home and on solid ground. Here she is in a video by the Pacific Community talking about the challenges of doing this job as a mom. My son actually got used to it, so... But just for my, my, myself, I mean, I, I can't just leave them without going for a, no good reason. It's for the future, so I, 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 had, I have to go, whether I like it or not. It's important work and truly an adventure, but it's also dangerous. It's a fishing boat, and all that's there are machines and, and, you know, booms. and There's three to four other boats on the fishing boat again, and then you have a helicopter on board, and then the rooms are so compact. And because it's a fishing boat, it's it's not a vessel or a hotel for you to go and stay. So you got to cope with it. It's a, it's a, it's like a, I don't know what to, how to explain it, but it's, it's just very difficult. So it's, our safety comes first, you know, when I get on the deck, I need to be careful of the machine, the boom, the machines that are moving back and forth and the cables that are running to and fro and, you know, the brails. Brails are like uh, the scoop. They scoop the fish out of the net. And the nets are like um, about 200, 300 meters deep and about 1,000 to 2,000 long meters long. So, you know, it takes about one to two hours to, you know, launch the net and then to haul it back. And there's a lot of machinery on board. 
So it's very dangerous. It is very dangerous. You may fall off in, you know, in the midst of trying to work. And a lot of the crews, they, they, they perish, they die because of the, the machines on board. Wow. Yes. The, sea, the sea can be an unfriendly place too. Have there been any moments where you felt really scared for your life? Of course. Um, you know, like I said, we, the observer program, we are the eyes and ears of the authority that we uh, work for. And the authority, we represent PNG. So it's just like, you know, uh, being guarding our sea. So it's, we're not only collecting um, fisheries data, Uh, that we are also looking out for, you know, pollution and all other fishing allegations. Like, I'll, I'll give, for example, you have the land. So within the land and the ocean, within three nautical miles of the land, it's like, it's considered customary. So from three miles and upward going there, it's um, some vessels allowed to fish in. And then, you know, there are certain boundaries where you're allowed to fish in and then certain amount of fish you can catch and species you can catch. And, you know, all these little uh, laws that are there. So, you know, some we are aware of that. So we keep an eye on that, too. So, you know, like me, I bring my um, my digital camera with me or, you know, my phone out with me. I pretend to, you know, take pictures and all that. But. You know, sometimes when I suspect an alleged activity, I I take pictures just for, you know, in case. So it's very, very risky in terms of, you know, trying to keep an eye on the our sea. I was attacked once. We took the company to court because I was attacked up on board out at sea. And wow. Yes. So that's... We the case was dismissed. It was uh in Vanimo, I guess. Yeah, I had to take pictures of some pollution and all that. And yeah, my camera was pulled off, and I was attacked in the engine room. And yeah, I had a rope around my neck and all that. It's a really long um, story, but yeah, I managed to survive. And oh, yeah, sorry, throw please. Yes, That's I so managed scary. to survive. Yeah. Was it But, by uh, an illegal fishing or foreign vessel or something like that? No, no, it was on the vessel, but it's it was it was just, you know, like I said, I I was just on the boat like I usually do. I come out and just look around, you know, just keep an eye on the vessel and the sea and all that. So, but I was just it was during uh it just it was in the night, so Um, it wasn't really that serious, but I, I managed to survive and the, the, the boys, would, I was taken the next day into port and, uh, the vessel was called into port and they didn't come in, but they sent, uh, the culprits back. They got on another boat and they sent him back to port as well. So, mm. And how did you manage to keep working after that, that this, this frightful experience? Um, I just, I don't know. I, I guess I just grew passions, you know, my passion grew over time with the job that was, I was doing and I loved the job that I was doing. So I, I maybe probably got over it and I continued to go for my trips. 
I took a break for a while, but then I, I went out again. But I did not go on uh, the boats within PNG. I was traveling mostly to the Pacific Islands overseas. I was getting on the vessels in other countries. Hmm. Apart, apart from the challenges, challenging parts of your job, what do you love most about, about what you do? Oh, the fact that I get to travel, you know, you know, there's uh, money involved and because other observer programs in the other Pacific Island countries, you know, they, they have their own arrangements of the rates of paying the observers and the contracts that they have. And, you know, the places that I get to travel and transit through and yeah, it's all about the, you know, the money and the places I get to see and travel to. How much, how, which parts of the world have you uh, traveled and how much has it allowed you to see the world? Oh, I've, I'd say the Pacific Island. Uh, or I've been to almost all of the Pacific Island countries. I've transited through to other countries like Hong Kong and Singapore. Um, I wouldn't say Aussie yet. I... Yeah, just basically the Pacific Island country and countries and PNG almost everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just about it. <laughs> and Rachel, what is your advice for young women who might think of following your career path? You know, um, it's really tough, but then you got to be willing to, you know, because in nowadays that we're in, it's really tough and life is hard, so whatever opportunity that you get, you got to give all you can and work to the very, very best of your ability. You have to offer, you know, offer help and, you know, show your passion and, you know, try to learn as much as you can. And, you know, it's, it's okay to make mistakes. You learn from them and you get better at it. So you have to be willing to do the job you know, you love what you do and keep doing it. So it doesn't matter if only men only can do it. You know? Whatever men can do, we women can do it also and we can do it better. Yeah. And what about respect? Uh, you know, that's a, that plays a big part in what you do as well. What is your yes. uh, message on respect? Um, especially, especially when it's a male-dominated, um, you know, field of work, it's, you know, your code of conduct is very important you know, how you present yourself and how you dress up, your, you know, be modest and decent. And, you know, it's, we call it, you know, the houseman, where, you know, it, it's, it's not a place for women. So you give respect and you respect yourself. So they, the people around you, especially the males, they, you know, they, it's reciprocated back. So it's just, it's depending on how you, your approach. So, yes, respect is given where it's due. Good on you. And finally, Rachel, when you're away from, away from home a long time in the sea, out at sea, uh, describe the feeling when you get back to shore and uh, returning home to your family. Oh, I just, I, when I set foot on land, I, I already cry. I'm sorry, I'm an emotional person. Every little thing I cry about. So, yeah, the moment that I see one bar or one signal bar on my phone. That's if not even making a call. I cry already because I know that I'm home. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <sighs> so it's a very 
it's emotional and dangerous and kind kind it's just so many things involved in this sort of work that I do Oh, and look, you, I wanted to say you should be a lawyer, but, you know, you've done so exceptionally well. Uh, you know, being what life has thrown at you, you've just did amazing work. And um, it's such an honor to have you speak about your remarkable career and unique, to be honest, unique. So thank you so much for coming on and spending time with us and sharing about your wonderful job. Thank you, too. And you're all welcome. <laughs> Wow, what an amazing job and what an incredible woman Rachel Luru is for taking it on. As an islander myself, I can't imagine being out on the open ocean for weeks at a time. So I definitely take my hat off to her. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of this show, catch up on our podcast. You can listen on the ABC Pacific website or on your favorite podcast app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Pacific Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, with just two women sitting in the current PNG Parliament, it's hard to imagine a woman will ever be Prime Minister. But... There are female CEOs throughout the private sector in Papua New Guinea. How does their leadership shape the companies they add up? When we actually started, I had no idea like what I was going to be, what was to be expected. I had to make sure that I played this role where I knew what I was doing, even if I had no idea what I was doing. When I had the confidence, I gained a lot of their trust as well, proving to them every day that, oh, yeah, I can do this. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production presented by me, Hilda Wayne. Our producer is Alice Matthews, supervising producer is Kim Lester, and Faleanga Fulu, Inga Stunsna, is our executive producer. Sisters Let's Talk is created on Wuradjuri, Nanobol, Nambri, Yagura, Turbul, and Darunbol country. And we pay our respects to elders past and present. Emtasol na bungim you next time.